This is a special edition of the RTI Press Pass, powered by Rocky Top Insider. Here are your hosts, Rick Butler and Ryan Shumpert. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass podcast. We are here. It is late. All right, it's about 1.06 in the morning as we overlook a still-lit Neyland Stadium, although, Ryan, I'm not sure by the time we finish this podcast, the lights could be out. But we're here to talk about Tennessee's 41-20 win over South Carolina. To my right, that is Ryan Shumper. Ryan, it's been a long day. Obviously, these night games are, and a 7.30 only accentuates that. Certainly. How are you feeling after all the, the, the festivities of the day? Feeling good. Glad that I took a nap this afternoon uh, <laughs> in the first half of the afternoon games. So, yeah, uh, feeling good and uh, excited to talk about a, a big win for Tennessee tonight. Well, you mentioned that you're excited to get into it, and there's a lot to get into. So hopefully we'll try to keep this fairly compact, concise, but there's a lot of different angles to attack with this game. Ryan, we could start by talking about the defense, right, and their just ability to make Spencer Rattler uncomfortable just throughout the night. Man, they put pressure on him. They took him down six times in terms of sacks. We could talk about the wide receivers. We could talk about a guy like Squirrel White. We could talk about the injury to Brumacoy, and certainly we're going to talk about all of it. But like I talked to you about on the Instant Reaction show that we have on YouTube, broad takeaway. Starting things from the top, we'll work our way down. Overall thoughts about this game, Tennessee getting a win. And I'll add, I'll add a little bit more setup to my question that is taking too long. But, Ryan, I know Tennessee came off of a win last week against UTSA. But it almost felt like they were fighting for something. They were playing for something. They came out with just a different type of energy. And I don't know if it was the crowd. I don't know if it was the dark mode jerseys. I think it had a lot to do with the opponent. Josh Heibel talked about that in his post-game press conference, but it, it really felt like Tennessee came out with, with a mission, and it felt like they executed that mission against a, a solid South Carolina team. Certainly, and it, it was you know, a, a game we talked about it all week. It was a game that was really important for both sides, but certainly super important for Tennessee. They needed this win going into the open date, and now you know all their goals are still out there ahead of them uh, in this season, and Look, some of them still probably feel pretty unrealistic, but you know nothing's. Uh, they're not dead. They're not yeah. dead yet in the SEC East race. SEC East race, and certainly this is a a big win in the best Tennessee's played this season, and one they really needed to have. Only a small percentage of people will get this, but they're like the uh, they're like the guy from Monty Python spam a lot. He's not dead yet. Tennessee not dead yet. Uh, Ryan, let's start with talking about the defense. I think maybe that's where more of the uh, more of the impact analysis comes from. I want to start with Tennessee's pass rush because I really felt like they did a great job of setting the tone. You know, Spencer Rattler had that, he, he broke contain. He had that big rush in their first drive of the game. After that, though, Tennessee contained him. Tennessee kept him in check. And, and again, like I mentioned a second ago, I really felt like they made his life a little bit uncomfortable throughout the night, whether it was what was happening on the field, whether it was the fans in the stands kind of heckling. And yeah. boy, did they have some chance that I don't want to repeat here because uh, I. You know, well, we're a family-friendly show. Family-friendly function, yeah. Uh, it seemed like they made him uncomfortable. Yeah, I would say more than a little bit, at least just talking about on the field. I guess I can't speak to what any of the stuff, uh, the extracurriculars uh, did to Spencer Rattler's head, but no, uh, on the field. Tennessee got after him all game long. You mentioned it, I think it was the second play of the game. He scrambled for about 17 yards. He had about two or three other, you know, nice plays where he escaped the pocket and either made throws on the run uh, or scrambled for a handful of yards. But for the most part, Tennessee bottled him up, kept him in the pocket, and uh, they made his life uncomfortable. 
all game, six sacks. They were consistently getting after him. And look, South Carolina runs for 132 yards. 75 of those yards come on one run. Quick math here. What What's that? Oh, I'm not even going to try to do the math. It's, it's too it's late. 50, 57? 57? 57. 57, I think, besides that. Uh, and as you'd expect, they did that 57 yards rushing besides one play. South Carolina was in a lot of third and longs. They were in a lot of obvious passing situations. Uh, and I said earlier in the week that Tennessee might have three times more pass rushing opportunities today than they had at Florida. Obviously, I haven't ran the numbers, but uh, that – it feels about right, and Tennessee's pass rush was really, really good. Multiple guys were effective, uh, but it all starts again with James Pierce Jr., who is just having a resurgent, uh, or maybe not even a resurgent, but yeah. a, a breakout sophomore season uh, and is doing, you know, really replacing uh, a lot of the production Byron Young had as pass rusher for Tennessee last season. Yeah, absolutely. I go back to that first game against Virginia, and I, I think we talked about it on one of the podcasts, and we said that, hey, nobody was really talking about James Pierce Jr. during training camp, and then all of a sudden he comes out against Virginia, he has those two sacks, and then adds in two more again today versus South Carolina. You're right. I, I thought he was really productive, and, you know, we'll talk about Tennessee's secondary in a minute. I wrote in my game predictions that I, I didn't feel very confident that you could ask Tennessee's secondary for a superhuman effort but I, or performance. But I did feel a little bit more confidence that the defensive line could do that. And I really felt like just with everything combined in this game, they were able to put together a performance where, I don't know if it was superhuman. Again, we're only a couple hours out of the game, but it was enough. It, it was more than enough to make that South Carolina offense uncomfortable throughout the night, to make them second-guess some things, and, and really just make life hard for them and, and hard to get, get a little bit of momentum, build a little bit of, uh, little bit of momentum. Certainly. Uh, you look at it, the one big play, uh, and then Joe Milton throws an interception in the first half to give South Carolina a short field. They score touchdowns on those two, uh, those t- well, one play and then the other drive. Besides that, you know, they didn't do a ton. And uh, Tennessee's defense was very consistent, uh, and they were dis- you know, disruptive up front and, and made – Nothing was easy for South Carolina, and I think maybe the to me the most pressing example. Big sequence in the game, in my opinion. Uh, third quarter, you know Tennessee goes down and goes up twenty-one. Seventy-five yard touchdown run coming right back. Tennessee goes three and out. South Carolina has the ball back, down fourteen. They're moving. Feels like this is a moment in the game where certainly Tennessee's in a good spot. They're up two touchdowns, but the momentum is starting to swing towards South Carolina. It's third and two, I think about the Tennessee thirty-two, thirty-three yard line. They run up the middle. Get a yard and a half, Jer- freshman Jeremiah T. Lander, linebacker, makes a good tackle. And then South Carolina, kind of an obvious go-for-it situation, quarterback sneak, Tennessee blows it up. You know, when you can't third and two, fourth and inches, you can't run the ball, you can't quarterback sneak it to get pick up the first down, it's just an example of life. everything being very hard for your offense. And that's everything was very hard for South Carolina's offense tonight. And that a lot of good things happen for Tennessee's defense, but that all goes back to Tennessee's defensive line, which just dominated the line of scrimmage. And frankly, I felt like ten- I'm sure we'll get into the offensive side of it later, but I felt like Tennessee dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football tonight. Let me ask you a question. Did you have a Kamal Haddon pick six on your bingo card heading into this game? <laughs> or did that one really help you out with maybe a free space? Uh, no, I did, I, did not, <laughs> I did not see that one coming. And yeah, I, I wrote it in my lead into four quick takeaways that, you know, that was the. I don't know, perfect encapsulation, but that was the full circle moment, the 360 moment, and certainly we're talking about how dominant Tennessee's defense was. They were far from that last season, uh, very, very far from that last season uh, against the Gamecocks, and uh, that was probably the most fitting moment. It was the biggest play of the game, uh, and Tennessee gets a pass rush. Spencer Rattler 
uh, kind of sails to throw out to the sideline, and Kamal Hatton, who got dominated in that game last year, uh, was clown, honestly, uh, on Twitter.com and the interwebs uh, for how much talking he did in that game, in a game where he really got outplayed, and South Carolina threw at him with a lot of success frequently. But today, he makes, uh, again, the game-changing play. At that point, Tennessee goes up by two scores. South Carolina never got into one score the rest of the night. Yeah, that's a that's a great point right there, and I didn't even think about that that whole you know one score to two scores and then how that affected things. But you, you could tell that just from a from a momentum perspective, from a, a uh, rallying the troops perspective, that was obviously a, a huge moment in the game. And I thought that that gave a, a Tennessee a lot of confidence. And, and you know, for a defense that has certainly struggled at times this season, confidence to me. I know some people might overlook it, some people might not put as much value into it. Maybe it's a little bit of an opinionated thing, but. I do put a lot of weight in it myself. I think when you can have those sort of plays, when you can have those game-changing plays, or even you know back here when, when South Carolina was punting, you know from the from their own end zone, you know they were basically underneath the field goal. They were punt, trying to punt it out. I, I thought just a couple of those moments throughout the game really gave Tennessee some added confidence, uh, and you saw how that was able to affect things. Certainly, uh, that, that's big, and the defense line is rightfully going to get a lot of the credit. Uh, defensively for Tennessee, but I think the secondary deserves a lot of credit too. I thought Tennessee matched up things really well. Uh, Again, early in the game, maybe even the first drive, South Carolina to go simple mesh uh, on about third and five. That's a play that Florida hit multiple times uh, on third downs against Tennessee a few weeks ago. Tennessee goes man-to-man. South Carolina completes the pass, but a really good tackle by uh, Gabe Judy Lawley, who was right there, goes for about a yard. So Tennessee matched up a lot of stuff, I thought, really well in the secondary and I'll tell you what, uh, a stat before the game that I, I just I genuinely would not have believed. Xavier Leggett, star receiver for South Carolina. Yeah, we didn't even mention him in the, in the stand-up no. video down there. It, phenomenal. Go ahead. He had, the, he had a 32-yard catch on the fake punt South Carolina hit in the second quarter on offense. Catching passes from Spencer Rattler. Uh, he had four catches for 18 yards. Uh, that's... Again, I wouldn't have believed it if you told me that before the game. This guy came into the game as the SEC's leading receiver, mind you. Yes, he's been just fantastic all season. And Tennessee, it wasn't just one guy. Kamal Hyden was on him some. Gabe Judy Lawley was on him some. But Tennessee defended him really well in the South Carolina passing attack as a whole. They were really effective. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, one other thing I wanted to bring up from the uh, from the defensive side of the ball, and then we got to switch over to offense at some point here soon, but... Oh, no, I don't know if I have the exact numbers in front of me. Oh, you do right there. Yeah, all right. Uh, what, what do you need? Two of 14. South Carolina, South Carolina on third down. Two South Carolina's of offense goes two of 14 from third yeah. down. Oh, man, Ryan, we talked about it in the press pass last Thursday. We wrote about it. We talked about it pretty much everywhere we could have. Tennessee needed to be dominant on third down. And maybe we didn't even say dominant. They just needed to be good on yeah. third down. They needed to get South Carolina off the field. They did so at an incredible rate tonight, better than I expected, better than I thought, and that actually leads to a, a stat that you were telling me about earlier. So Tennessee, or excuse me, South Carolina goes two of fourteen tonight. They were eight of eleven on third downs last year in Columbia against Tennessee. Two of two on fourth downs last season, and they were two of five on fourth down tonight. Had to fake punt too, which doesn't count as a fourth down conversion, uh, but really good. Tennessee was in, in third downs. I think we've kind of already talked about the reasons. Uh, but forced them into a lot of third and longs, and then when they were in third and short, uh, they were not effective just running it right up the middle. Yeah, no doubt about it. Any other kind of thoughts on defense? One last, over? Yeah. one last defensive thought. Last year, 
Uh, obviously, a lot of talk uh, all offseason about Tennessee having a better pass rush and proving there, and they lost their best edge rusher from last year, Byron Young. Byron Young led Tennessee in sacks with seven last season. Second on the team was Aaron Beasley and Roman Harrison, who had three. As uh, we are recording this on uh, the the first two hours of October. <laughs> what a way to put it. And, and James Pierce <laughs> Jr. has five sacks on the season. He already would have been second on Tennessee last year, and he is fastly tracking uh, Byron Young's production from last season. So, long season, a lot of more pretty good better offensive lines Tennessee will face in these final two months and they have as a, a hole in the first month of the season but James Pierce explosive off the edge and even you know besides the sacks I said the same thing we talked about him at Virginia he disrupted a lot of plays in backfield and made Spencer Rattler uh, uncomfortable and not have much time to throw frequently I don't think it's worth going back to find out but I do feel like I probably said I, I probably picked James Pierce Jr. as my sack leader during our superlatives uh, podcast. Oh, I mean, I might have. It's not worth to going back and checking. But I, I, I think you should just believe me when I say that I absolutely said this. So I, I'm right on track. This isn't even a surprise for me. I will uh, <laughs> give some credit to, to friend of the program, Chase Thomas. Yes. He is the only person I – he was – before the season, he's the only person I heard that said James Pierce Jr. will be Tennessee's best pass rusher. He credited his all his knowledge based on the videos you edit every day uh, during practice when they do the little drill where Rodney Garner pulls the football off of the stick. <laughs> no kidding. And he goes, he goes, I love watching those videos. I had the music stuck in my head all day when I yeah, do. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and he goes, James Pierce, he just has the quick twitch that, and obviously the build uh, that is kind of a freaky defensive end, edge rusher build. So uh, credit to Chase. He was on top of that one, and James Pierce has been – Revolutionary is probably overdramatic, but he's his step forward uh, early in the season has just been immeasurably big for Tennessee's defense. Chase Thomas podcast, press pass podcast, hand in hand, hand in hand as we That's go right. forward. We want to switch to offense a little bit? Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk a little offense. Uh, you know, when I look at the box score, I think it's pretty good when you can end a game with a triple digit in yards in each one of the categories. Joe Milton throws for two hundred thirty nine. Jalen Wright runs for 123. Squirrel White comes down with 104 yards on nine receptions. And when I talk about that last guy for a minute to kind of start out the offensive conversation, I thought he was phenomenal. Yeah. Nine targets, nine catches, 104 yards. I don't believe he got in the end zone, but he got them darn close on that really deep pass down the right sideline that set up a Jabari small touchdown. He was really critical tonight. Now, I thought that he played a, a physical game in addition to the normal speed, agility, uh, athleticism that we know he can bring to the table. I thought he brought a lot of physicality. And I might be getting ahead of myself a little bit. We're obviously talking about what he did on the field here tonight. But I also think about Brew McCoy likely going to be out for a very extended period of time. We do not know. We'll get into more of this here in a minute. Josh Heupel didn't know. But it feels like that's obviously what's going to be the case. I know Squirrel White doesn't play the same position as him. I know there's going to be a little bit of rotation but it just feels like Squirrel White is going to be that much more valuable to this Tennessee offense in Brew McCoy's absence because of the familiarity, because of the experience, because of the trust with the quarterback. I think sky's the limit for Squirrel White. We'll see how they continue to use him, but obviously tonight was a phenomenal night. Nine receptions, nine targets, 104 yards. He was really good. And again, nine targets, nine catches, always impressive. And you're right, it was the long play set up Tennessee touchdown. It was 
South Carolina had just taken a 10-7 lead. It was the only time the entire game Tennessee trailed. Uh, I believe that was the second play of the drive. They hit a bomb, and just what's an unbelievable catch. Will probably be the catch of the year for Tennessee. Um, it set up a touchdown two plays later. So he was that was a huge play, uh, the deep ball. But, again, the short stuff, the screen stuff, uh, a couple quick hitters on curl routes. He was good. He ran tough uh, with the ball in his hands and uh, certainly had a, just a really, really effective night. And you think about that deep shot, right? 50 of his 104 yards came right there, so he still had 54. Still would have led Tennessee, right, if, if that had not happened. So uh, a, a really solid night from him. What else did you think about the offense? What stood out to you? Oh, well, the balance, I think, is probably what has to stand out first. You know, 239 passing yards, 238 rushing yards. But wow. uh, really, Tennessee, they won this game on the ground. Uh, I thought they ran the ball well in the first half, and Josh Heupel got a little bit pass-happy in the second quarter. Tennessee comes out, first drive in the second half, 12-play touchdown drive, 10 rushes on it. One of them was a scramble from Milton, so nine pass plays, or nine run plays, three pass plays. Uh, they ran the ball really well with all three backs. Jalen Wright obviously had the long 42-yarder uh, touchdown on the first drive of the game. Jabari Small was solid. Dylan Sampson was good. They got him involved with some shovel passes too. Uh, so, again, Jalen Wright and Dylan Sampson, I think, are Tennessee's two best offensive players, two best skill position players, uh, and they were dynamic with the ball in their hands tonight. And Look, Tennessee averaged six yards per carry. They had a 42-yard run, obviously that touchdown by Jalen Wright. Besides that, you know, not a ton of like super long runs that uh, skewed the numbers. They were pretty consistently effective running the football, and on a night where Joe Milton was not particularly good, not awful, I'd argue maybe his worst game in the season, though, uh, Tennessee made life a lot easier uh, on him by being able to lean on a strong game. I was looking at my computer a second. Did you mention Dylan Sampson? There? I mentioned him briefly, but there's more room to talk about him. It's hard not to – I know I'm not the first guy to say this, but it's hard not to watch the game, to look down on the field and see him running around all over the place in that number six jersey and yeah. not think of the guy who's on the other side of the jumbotron right there, right, Alvin Kamara. He is just so dynamic with the ball in his hands. Uh, and I think in that same breath, I know I don't want this to necessarily go unnoticed, but I think you also give a lot of credit to Brew McCoy's blocking downfield. It, it yeah. is phenomenal, right? And it, it wasn't just this game, right? It's something we've seen throughout his time here at Tennessee. We've seen uh, a lot through the season. So, unfortunately, it doesn't seem like we might get many of those plays coming up later in the season, but just those two guys working in tandem, each one of them doing their job at a very high level, uh, it, it, that's obviously just good to see from the Tennessee offense. And he was... Dylan Sampson just, again, just does crazy things with the ball. Yeah, I would, you know, I'm not a recruiting guru, so I don't remember these things exactly. You know, I'd wonder who Tennessee beat out to get Jalen Wright and Dylan Sampson. They were two lowly rated three stars uh, and great, you know, evaluations by Tennessee's coaching staff. I think it would have been Pruitt and his staff uh, who got Jalen Wright. Maybe I'm mistaken on that, uh, but... Two just stars who were not big recruits coming out of high school, uh, and those guys have been fantastic. Jalen Wright's physicality uh, was on display. His patience and physicality, to me, his two best features were on display again tonight, for, which is crazy for a guy who came in as a speedster yeah. and, and was not big and not a physical runner uh, two years ago as a freshman. And then Dylan Sampson, like you said, there's just some Camara-esque qualities uh, to his elusiveness in space and, and his balance running, which is always a thing that... Uh, I'm, you know, Alvin Kamara, I won't say the best ever or anything like that, but Alvin Kamara's balance while running was always, always was and still is in the NFL really, really impressive. Yeah, no doubt about it. I was trying to look up some of the guys that they might have 
Tennessee might have beaten out for both those guys, but it was hard to find. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll get to it a little bit in the next podcast or so. But um, let's see. Talked about the receivers. Talked about the running backs. Talked about the quarterback. What, what, where else do you want to go with this game? What other kind of thoughts do you have? Yeah, let's offensive line. Uh, oh. All those things. <laughs> you know, I forgot. Sets up the run game well. And Look, there were, there were injuries on the offensive line. Jeremiah Crawford didn't play tonight. Uh, Andrej Carrick was inactive. You know, I'm not sure Carrick. Uh, would have played much anyway with Cooper Mays back and Ollie Lane sliding over. But, look, we've talked about it on here, uh, you know, a couple of times over the past couple of weeks. Tennessee needs to find their best five offensive linemen and roll with it. And we've said consistently that best five is John Campbell, uh, left to right, John Campbell, Ollie Lane, Cooper Mays, Javante Spragans, Gerald Mincy. Those guys played every snap tonight offensively, at least I think. Um, PFF numbers will double-check me here in the morning. Uh, but... Tennessee's offensive line was really good, consistent in the run game, opening up holes uh, for those backs we were just complimenting, and really good in pass protection, too. I mean, Milton was sacked one time, and that was a ball, or that was a play where he was in the pocket for a long time and kind of waited too long to escape. So uh, pass protection was really good. They picked up some blitz as well, which obviously credit goes to the running backs and tight ends on some of that stuff, too. Um, But that was the best we've seen Tennessee's offensive line play all year. And when we resume play here in two weeks and Texas A&M comes here, Tennessee will have probably their second best offense line on their second biggest test of the year because that is a nasty, nasty Texas A&M front seven that uh, gave K.J. Jefferson and Arkansas a lot of issues yeah, today. You, you know what? I was watching that game, and you know who big number zero is for Texas A&M? A familiar name. Yeah, Walter Nolan. Walter Nolan. So, obviously, that's a guy who, who will be coming back to Knoxville after spending, uh, what was it? I mean, I think two years maybe at Powell Just High School. Just one, I think. Just one year at Powell yeah. High School. So. I had a cup of coffee here in Knoxville, and he will return to Neyland Stadium here coming up in a couple weeks. Um, Ryan, Tennessee's got a bye week coming up this week. And Josh Eiple said during his postgame press conference, he said, look, you know, something along these lines, and maybe I can quickly find it here. I think I got it. Okay. It was, you guys usually ask me if it's a good time for a bye week. This is a good time for a bye week. We need to to get healthy. Uh, We need to keep... Freshmen, young guys on this team need to continue to keep getting better, and that's going to be really important for us down the stretch. That's the oh, paraphrase. Well done. <laughs> that, was, that was totally spot on. He said, we're a football team that needs to be healthy for us right now. I would say it is coming at the right time. And obviously he's talking about the bye week there. So Tennessee will get a little bit of rest right now. And obviously uh, the bye week can come at different times for different teams and, and be val- more valuable at different times for different teams. I go back to 2021, right, Josh Heupel's first year. That bye week didn't come until like week eight, right? It was late in the season. Tennessee had to play a lot of football until they got there. Obviously, that 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 maybe they would have won it a little bit earlier. I can't remember all the all the details of that season, but certainly seems like this is coming at a good time. Maybe you'd want to build off this win, right, immediately, quickly. Maybe that'd be good for the team. But I also think that having this, being able to establish a little bit of confidence, and then like Josh Heupel said, man, just you know, getting guys healthy. I think that's really important for this team. No doubt. Uh, Dante Thornton be one of the guys. Andre Carr, guys who we did not maybe expect to be out for today, were out today. It didn't seem like a ton of uh, concern went around those guys. But, again, guys are getting uh, banged up, a little bit nicked up. Got to get them healthy. Yeah, a number of guys. Nico Slaughter's another one who hasn't played the last three weeks for Tennessee. So, there's a lot of guys. Uh, the Vols need to get healthy, want to get healthy. And uh, it's going to be a grueling, you know, couple-week stretch uh, when they come off of the open date. So, 
big for them to get the win, big for them to get some positivity going into the open date. And like Josh Heibel said, need to get healthy, need to keep getting better. Did you see that picture of Danico Slaughter with the I did. Jason? I think it's Jason. Are you a horror movie expert? Oh, I hate horror movies. You, Rick, you know how skittish and jumpy I am to begin with. So you, Yeah, like when that bug landed on you last week. Oh, gosh. This is clown clown behavior by Rick to try to put this on me when it, when that was very much on him. I disagree. I disagree, but who's that's to not, say? That's not your narrative. Who, who's to say? Who's to say? Jack's not here. He could have yeah. helped us out with this, but he's not here right now. So he, he could, he, he's, there's no deciding vote right He took there. me to abandonment park. We're tied 50-50. Uh, what else do you want to get into? It's late. Let's get some wrap-up thoughts. Uh, you know, I, I think... Joe Milton uh, tonight, you know, wasn't wasn't perfect, but I, I did think, you know, had a, a handful uh, of big plays to throw to Jacob Warren uh, for a touchdown to open the second half. I thought was one of his better plays uh, of the season, but uh, obviously some mistakes too uh, that he's going to want to have back. And then special teams wise, similar deal. Tennessee, their highs were better in special teams tonight. Some really good punts, uh, a bunch of uh, kicks through the end zone for touchbacks. But kicked the ball out of bounds and gave South Carolina the fifty-yard line at the ball at the fifty-yard line after the pick six, um, fake punt. We already talked about which you know. Granted, that was a really well-designed fake punt, kind of running a rub route uh, uh, on it. And then uh, Tennessee obviously had the procedure penalty on one of their punts too, where they had pinned South Carolina like the five, six-yard line. They had to go back and punt again. So uh, some special teams things to clean up. Now there were a lot of, like I said, there were a lot of really good special teams things. Charles Campbell continues. Uh, to be really good and steady for Tennessee as a place kicker. Um, and Jackson Ross seems like he's getting kind of into his groove too. But uh, those were kind of my, my parting thoughts. I think we hit most of everything. Yeah, I think we pretty much hit everything as well. And what we didn't hit or what we're just going to elaborate on, we've got a lot of good stuff over on the RockyTopInsider.com website, including one South Carolina quarterback, Spencer Rattler, might have thrown a little bit of shade Tennessee's way. You can go and see what he said in his postgame press conference over on RockyTopInsider.com. We will have tons of content coming out of this game. We will have Josh Heupel press conference. We'll have some of the players' press conferences. We'll be breaking it down. Ryan's got four takeaways uh, from the game. We're working on more stories. So make sure you go and head over to the website so you can keep up with that. Otherwise, you can follow Ryan on Twitter at rshump00. That is uh, R-S-C-H-U-M-P-0-0. If you want to follow myself, you can do that at Rick underscore Butler. But, of course, just making sure you're going and checking out Rocky Top Insider on each and every different social media platform there is out there. We are at Rocky Top Insider on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. You can go and check us out at all of those places, and we will be bringing you the absolute best Tennessee news, notes, and content that we possibly can. Ryan, it's about 1.30 in the morning. Still got some more work to do, so what do you say we head back inside, we get this work done, and eventually we'll get to sleep tonight. Maybe the Ryder Cup will already be started by the time we try that, but... We'll see. That's kind of the that's kind of the forecast we're heading towards. Yeah, that's right. See if the uh, the Americans can pull off the greatest come Sunday comeback in Ryder Cup history. Not too optimistic, but maybe maybe we'll make a little run at it. Maybe, maybe you never know. Hey, thanks so much for listening uh, once again to the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass podcast for Ryan Shumpert. I'm Rick Butler. We'll see you back for the next one. We will be back maybe this week. Yeah, we'll week. So, yeah, week. we'll be back this week at some point. Maybe just talk a little Tennessee basketball, up. too. Tennessee basketball media day on Tuesday. So. It's a great idea. We're going to talk a little Tennessee basketball. Maybe now we can finally get into some SEC football as well. Kind of talk about some thoughts from around the league as we enter the sixth week of the college football season. It is exciting. It's almost halfway over, which is pretty wild to think that about. That is pretty wild to think about. Otherwise, I don't know. It's almost halfway over.
it is October first, so I'm not sure if we can say it's it's. You know. Yeah, but from a game perspective, five out of third, five out of thirteen. Someone run the math that's listening. That's like thirty-eight percent, I think. Wow. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see how good my quick math was. All right, go for it. This is great podcasting right here. Thanks to everybody who made it to the end of the show. Oh, it's 38%. Wow. <laughs> Even rounding down, which was what you were supposed to do, rounds down 38. to 38.4. That's, that's pretty impressive. It's Amanda uh, Kim comes from a family of accountants right here. That's basically, especially when you say that, that's basically a full court shot. Yeah, so we basically. should probably go ahead and end on that. Yeah, let's do it. Thank you so much for listening to the RTI Press Pass podcast today. For Ryan Shumpert, I'm Rick Butler. We'll see you back for the next one. Tennessee defeats South Carolina here in Knoxville by a score of 41-20. to We'll see you back soon. Thanks for listening.